0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. We are going to turn over to the book of 1 Kings. Yes, I'm preaching out of a notebook tonight. 1 Kings chapter number 18. And I want to begin by reading just two verses, and to many of you this will be a familiar story. It may be a a new story to some of you, but there's some great lessons to be learned throughout this chapter. But we'll begin by reading 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and it came to pass after many days. Now when you see that word and to start the chapter, you always want to go back, don't you? And we will go back. Uh, but uh, so you always remember that in your studies. Uh, if you see Ann there, always make sure that you've got a recollection of what was previously discussed. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. I will send rain upon the earth. Then if you'll go over to chapter verse number 41... The Bible says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Uh, and so let's go to the Lord, uh, in a word of prayer, heavenly father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being here tonight. Once again, we do want to lift up Dr. Hamby to you, dear Lord, and miss Karen, uh, lift them up to you tonight. And I pray for each one that is here this evening and how I pray dear Lord, that you will bless and, uh, speak to each of our hearts, Lord, accordingly. Anyone here tonight, that's not saved God. God, I pray that you'll help them to see their need for salvation for those of us that are saved. God, I pray that you would help us to, uh, to just have a heart to seek you, have a heart to see you do a work, and we'll thank you, dear Lord, and praise you for all that you do, for it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. In the, the context surrounding our scriptures, there's a, it's a troubling time in the land of Israel. It's a time of trouble. It's a time of division. It's really a time of drought and i think to make a spiritual application we could do that to the day and age in which we live this drought the, and this drought came forth because of judgment on the land in this context but there were many people suffering from this and god wanted to reach these people but he had to get their attention first and that's kind of what takes place in here but there's some thirsty people there's some hurting people and you know one of the the things that ought to drive the New Testament church that ought to drive every child of God is trying to reach somebody that's hurting. Trying to reach somebody that's thirsty. Uh, I mean, there's people, uh, and the thing that we've got to be very active about, and I've I've said this before and not be easily offended by, is when people seem hostile toward God or religion. Mm -hmm. Because if we were involved, and and if, if what we knew of God and religion is what they knew about God and religion, we may be a little hostile too. And if you think about it, some of you maybe can think of a time in your life to where you felt that way about religion and God as well, but it's our job to try to reach them with the truth and with Christ and with hope because we have the remedy, amen? It's just like Jesus told that thirsty woman. She was going to lower her uh, bucket down into the well and draw out water. But he said, "He said, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I shall give, you will never thirst. Amen. Right. You will never thirst. And so, uh, he satisfies the thirsty soul. But when you look at what's going on, it's interesting what sin brings about. Sin does bring about drought." Sin brings about hard times. Sin brings about division. At, at this moment in history, uh, the Israel is divided between the, the the northern kingdoms and the southern kingdoms. Ahab being the king of the northern kingdoms, Jehoshaphat being the king there in Judah. It was a terrible time. The people of God were worshiping false gods, and uh, God sent uh, this man. He sent Elijah out on the scene. And if you go flip back, and we'll look just to refer back to that. And of course, it gives us another and. uh, But uh, (laughs) but at some place we're going to stop because we're going to just try to preach a little bit tonight. But in In uh, chapter 17, verse 1, the Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, for many that are familiar with this chapter, if I were to ask, I think a lot of people would be, Oh, I know this chapter. This is the chapter when Elijah prays down fire from heaven. And the fire gets the attention a lot of times. The, uh, there was a showdown between the prophets of Baal and the, and the prophet of the Lord. And, of course, the prophet of the Lord uh, prevailed because his God prevailed. But the thing that we can forget sometimes is the problem in this chapter that the people were facing was not necessarily that they needed fire to come down from heaven. They needed rain to come down from heaven. That's right. And after a day like today, this may not seem like an appropriate message, uh, but they needed rain to come down from heaven. They needed it to rain. Uh, And so when we think about it, the problem was no rain. And there's, there's too many times that if we're not careful we can be content just to see a little fire on the top of Mount Carmel. But God wants to send refreshing showers of revival into our lives and into our land so that it can be not only A blessing to us, but a blessing to those around us. And so in this chapter, I want to lead up to verse 41, but I want to look at a few of God's prerequisites for rain, and then I want to look at when the rain comes. But notice a few of the prerequisites for rain. So coming fast forwarding all the way up to verse number 21. The Bible says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord, this is chapter 18, verse 21, if the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So he comes on the scene after three and a half years, as it was appointed by God. He shows back up and he says, okay, God is going to send the rain again. But before God sends the rain, there's going to be what's been often called this showdown at Carmel, at Mount Carmel. But there's some things and principles I believe we can learn that. That led up to them seeing the rain, the refreshing rain, come back into their land. And the very first thing was, I believe that if we are going to see revival, and if we're going to continue to see God work in the way that he's worked, folks... Uh, I think many of you are aware of this, but we are going to look back at the days that we're living in right now and be thinking, man, what God was doing. But you know what I want to be able to say? How many ever years it is down the road that we can say, yeah, but look what God's doing today. Amen. Uh, but God is working and God's doing a work. And, but one of the things, some principles that we just need to stay with, and it starts with reaffirming our stand. He said, how long halt you between two opinions? The people were divided. They were of a double mind. They weren't committed wholly to the Lord. And as a result of that, they could not have the blessing of the Lord. And then, not only that, there was to reaffirm our stand, but then also to rebuild the sacred altars. In verse 25, notice what happens. The Bible says, "...And Elisha said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first." For a year many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. So in this text, there he says. We're going to see whose God is the God. Because he says, choose you. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve Baal? The people didn't say anything. So he says, okay, here's what we're going to do. You get a sacrifice and you pray into Baal. And you pray that Baal sends fire down from heaven. Don't light a match. Don't bring any torch. You let, you let your God light that fire. And I'm going to go and I'm going to repair these altars. And then, and, and and whosoever God answers by fire, let that be the God that you serve. Let that be the true and the living God. And we know that there's only one true God, Jehovah, Amen. one true Lord. The other gods are little G gods. Amen. We serve the big G God, the creator, the Lord, the all powerful one. But there's a bunch of little g-gods and I believe behind every little g-god is the god of this world and that is Satan himself. Um, but he said, let them answer by fire. And so he goes on and, and if you look, we'll uh, look at this a little bit and uh, the Bible says in verse number 26, and they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning to, until noon saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no Voice, nor any that answered, and they leapt upon the altar which was made. And I'll not say a lot about this because I'm trying to get just go through this to get to the rain. But it's interesting to point out there that they're jumping up and down on the altar, saying, "Bell, send fire down on this altar!" And you got to say, "Wait a second, uh, you know, if Bell sends fire down on this altar, buddy, you're going to be lit up, right?" Um, But anyway, that's what they did. But notice what Elijah did. The Bible says, and there's going to be some of you really appreciate this with Elijah. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he's in a journey or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, and they cut themselves after after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. It was a bloodbath. And, And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. But then the Bible says in verse 30, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he, this is important, repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The reason I like the emphasis of that is this. He didn't go build a new altar. He had to repair broken down altars. He had to repair some altars that had been forsaken. And I believe, folks, if we're going to see God continue to do the work that he's doing, if we're going to see God send the rain, spiritually speaking, if we're going to see God do the work that I envision, and again, that he's done and that he's going to continue to do, uh, one of the things is for sure, we just need to keep rebuilding the old altar, repairing the old altar. In other words, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16, Seek ye out the old paths and walk therein. Uh, see, but he rebuilt the old altars and, and, the, and what the Bible warns about that in these days there would be many that would turn from the truth. Cause now when we talk about the old paths and we talk about rebuilding the altars, there are some I believe that err a little bit in their preaching. Because when they talk about the old paths and the old altars, they go back to 1956 or 1949. And they say, we need to do it the way they were doing it back then. Uh, well, we can do what they were doing right back then, but that's the the, the model is not necessarily what they were doing in the fifties and sixties. The model, folks, is the Word of God. Amen. That's the old past. That's the altar. That's what we that that's what we need to repair. Make sure that our lives and the way we're worshiping and what we're doing. See, because we live in a time to where there's a lot of new and improved altars. These people that were worshiping Baal had their altars. There are the churches that oftentimes they're referred to as emerging churches. Um, But but, but there's a problem. They've they've got a lot of things going for them, but there's no fire. Uh, And it's, it's interesting. If you look at the prophets of Baal, you know what they had? You know what their group had? They had a really big crowd. There was hundreds of them. They had a lot of crying out. And they had some convincing worship. I mean, boy, they were really into it. But you know something they didn't have? They didn't have true fire. And they sure didn't have rain. They didn't have rain. And I'm telling you, uh, what we want to see is God uh, move. It's not about trying to work something up. It's about just doing what God said to do, staying with the truth of God's Word, staying with the Word of God, and seeing God do something in people's lives. And so, uh, rebuild the sacred altars. And I like this, remember our standing. Look at what the Bible says in verse 31. The Bible says, And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. Now you could just read right over that if you weren't careful as you, if you as re, while you're reading this chapter there's so many exciting things going on but I think there's something that's, that's being represented right here in the nation of Israel at this time 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel had deserted God deserted worshiping God and began to worship Baal But God didn't but, but there was two that stayed faithful there was two tribes that stayed faithful. But God didn't say, okay, Elijah, go get two stones to build up this altar. Go, go get two stones. No, he said, go get twelve. You know why? Because even though these people have turned their back, even though these people have drifted away from me, even though these people have turned their backs on me, you know what? They're still my people. You put a stone to represent them. And I think something we need to always remember is our standing before the Lord. It was evident that practically they had gone astray. That their practical lives, that their walk was not what it ought to be. Their practice was not what it ought to be. But you know what? If you're saved by God's grace, the Bible says that we are justified. The Bible says how that we're justified and therefore that speaks of our position in Christ. Because there's one thing, hallelujah, that never changes. If you are a child of God, you are always a child of God. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, and if you are a child of God, God will never give up on you. Amen. Amen. I mean, there's times in Scripture where He has to bring His children on to glory, and there's times, but there's not a time ever that God will ever forsake one of His. So, even for these people that had turned their back, all of what God's doing right now is to get them back in the right relationship with Himself. And to me, that's a wonderful thing because let me tell you something tonight. If you've drifted away from the Lord, and by the way, sometimes people can drift away from the Lord, and it can be pretty apparent. But sometimes we can drift away from the Lord, but we've learned how to do everything and say the right things, act the right way, and so everything looks good on the outside, but in our hearts, we've drifted away from the Lord, and we don't have that. But you want to know something? I'm glad there's a God in heaven that still is searching and working to put us back in the right relationship with Himself. Isn't He good? I mean, I don't know where I'd be today because I want to tell you something. You're looking at somebody that in his life has wandered away. You're looking at somebody whose love has grown cold all but you're also looking at somebody who has an almighty God that saved my soul and has his hand Amen. upon me. Amen. And, and and he's so good and he's so faithful. And there, I am not here preaching you to, to you today as one that lives and, and walks some other higher path than the ordinary man. I'm just standing before you as a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. And I'm standing before you as a man that by God's grace, God's just had his hand on me. Amen. Let me tell you something. He's got His hand on you. Amen? Amen. He's got His hand on you. And uh, and I'm glad that He doesn't give up on His people. He does not give up on His people. And He does not give up on you. Take 12 stones, he said. I mean, remember our standing before the Lord. But I like this as well. We're talking about how to get the rain to fall. Verse 33, the Bible says, And he put the wood in order, and he cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. I don't have time to do this chapter justice, so I, I pray you'll study it and get familiar with it. If you remember it, go back and refamiliarize yourself with it. But he, it's, it's an amazing thing. He's asking for God to send down the fire, but he says, just to show you, we're going to soak this sacrifice and we're going to soak the wood. And I'm not going to say a lot about that tonight, but one thing I want to say is this. He had to put something on the altar. Sometimes we want to see God work in our lives before we put the sacrifice on the altar. Yeah. Sometimes we want to see the Lord bless and then we'll say, okay, then I'll put... But it doesn't work that way because you want to know something? Fire does not fall on an empty altar. Amen. Fire does not fall on an empty altar. In other words, I guess out of everything that I want to say tonight, something that's been on my heart for days that I sometimes feel like I haven't emphasized quite enough, but I want to emphasize it again is this. Surrender. Amen. Surrender. Surrender. If you're not saved, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, you need to get saved. Amen. Amen. Man, I mean, the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Yes. But I tell you, you don't want to know something else, child of God? Getting saved is not the end of the story for you. That's right. And heaven is not, I mean, that's the ultimate story, but that's not the end of the story. Folks, it's about surrender. And surrendering your life. I love what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2, I bet some of you were guessing I would go there. But the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, and uh, which is your reasonable service? He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. And what I mean to say about fire not falling on an empty altar is this: a lot of times when it comes to surrender. We hear stories about missionaries. We're inspired by maybe some people that we have come by here that have surrendered their lives and, and, and are, you know, surrendered to this ministry, that ministry sometimes going around the world. We're uh, challenged by some of the great people that we have in this church that we see that have surrendered their lives, and we're challenged to surrender our lives, but a lot of times we want to do it with strings attached. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. No. If you have this, you, you have this desire. Okay, I really do want to live for God, but a lot of times we want to live for God the way we're comfortable living for God. Yeah. Yeah. amen. Yeah. You know, I want to do something for God, but this is what I want to do. I don't want to do this, this, and this. Uh, but these things I'm happy to do. You know, and and that's wonderful, but that's not really the way surrender works. Now let me ask you this, what is it that holds us back from putting our all on the altar? What it is, and I, and I say this from experience, because let me tell you something, I put my all on the altar many years ago, and that's the reason I'm here today. But I want you to know something. This thing isn't just a one time commitment, amen? amen. Because it's something it reminds me when they put that when they, when they put those sacrifices on the altar and they'd have these flesh hooks. Because I guess sometimes those piece, some of the pieces of the sacrifice will be, begin to get to the edges and get away from the fire, and they get those flesh hooks and put them in there and drag them back over. Well, for the last, uh, you know, how many ever years, that's my life. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm surrendering this, Lord. I, I got to recommit this because we've got we've to keep that attitude of surrender. But I want to say that the reason a lot of times we're reluctant is because, well, it's because of fear. It's because of fear. And it's because of fear of what if God tells me to do this? (laughs) Or what if God says I am not to do the other thing? There there may be some people that are scared to surrender to God because what if God says, you know what, I think I want you to live your life without being married. I want you to live your life that way. The Bible says there's eunuchs unto the Lord. The Apostle Paul was... uh, and now, uh, I, I wouldn't suspect that that's going to be the case, uh, but for those of you that aren't married, but Amen. there's things like that. You know, I, I, know for, I know for me, you know, it's almost like one of these things. Lord, I surrender, and I'll go anywhere in the world. You want me to go except for Africa. <laughs> <laughs> right? No. And it sounds really good sometimes, because it's like, you know, I'll do anything, anything, Lord, except for this. You know, what if I surrender to the Lord and what what if He changes my plans? I've already made up my mind. This is what I want to do. You know, and so, but if we want to see God bless, I'm telling you, we need to replace the sacrifice. We need to understand that the the fire will not fall on an empty altar. And so I challenge you, I challenge you to do this. Surrender your life to the Lord. And I can remember the day because I'm telling you there's something else about the altar and of course I encourage people regularly I mean make I mean visit the altar, uh, spend time in the altar. God and, and God's done so much life uh, in my life over the years from the time that I've spent just up here praying and humbling myself before the Lord. And but I can remember when it came to this thing of surrender and It was a challenge in my life. It was a challenge because I took it seriously. Because the thing about when they would take one of these animals be sacrificed, it wasn't coming back. It wasn't coming back. And I knew that God was challenging my heart to bring myself to the altar and in a sense not come back the same way. Come to the altar and take my hands off and say, Okay, Lord, here it is. It's no longer, I'll go anywhere except for here, or I'll do anything except for this. It's, Lord, I don't know what this is going to mean, but I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere, and I literally got in the altar after struggling and fighting with this for some time, and I said, Dear Lord, I... With, by, with your help and grace, I put that precursor on there because I know it's not of ourselves, but I said this, Lord, I will serve you wholly till the day that I die. Now, I mean, I could look back over my years and not feel like I've served him wholly over these years, but but understand what I was doing as I was saying, Lord, I'm taking my hands off. Well, then God says, I was sharing with the hammies today. i shared with some of you before, but... Uh, one of the places, I, I had a missionary that was praying for years and encouraging me for years. He was a national pastor that was trying to get me to go to Anguilla. And Anguilla is a, uh, basically I think it's in, it's, it's in the West Indies. It's basically in the Bahamas, all right? Uh, and they need churches down there, don't get me wrong. So, uh, uh, but, but, but that's where I was praying about going. And that's where I was willing to go. And by the way, I was willing to go anywhere by this time. But it's interesting how that God called me to South Dakota. Not South Dakota, Lord. And I've shared with you before, when God first caught me to South Dakota, I said, what was that, Lord, Oregon? Okay. I kid you not, Washington State? Okay. Montana? God's like, you're getting warmer. (laughs) By warmer, I mean colder. Uh, And and I mean i I kid you i was, i called I called pastors out there, and I was trying to just and just every time it was just no, no, no i mean it's it's hard to explain, but it just wasn't right it just wasn't what God wanted and in, 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 and 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 I can remember being despondent and being down thinking, man, I really thought God was calling me someplace, I really thought it was going to be clear. And right at that time, Brother Tommy Winslow, a dear friend of mine and mentor of mine, he called, he called me. I got home and there was a message on my machine. Brother, I've been praying for you today. I want to give you the number for this fellow out in South Dakota. Mm. And right then, it's just like something clicked because I'd already been praying about South Dakota, Oregon, Washington and all that. <laughs> but, but something clicked in my heart right then. It's like, South Dakota. And I'm telling, but here's what I want to tell you. You're looking at somebody that wouldn't trade it for anything in this world. And here's the thing. You surrender your life to the Lord. Think about what we're saying when we're hesitant to surrender our lives to the Lord. Let's be honest about what we're saying. Here's what we're saying. Lord, I do not trust you whatsoever with my life. I know better than you. Therefore, I'm going to to keep my hands on this thing because if you get your hands on it, there's no telling what you're going to do with it. (laughs) That's a crazy thing to think, but that's, yeah. So by God's grace, hey, take it seriously, man. It's a sacrifice, man. It's not, it's not, it's not a game. It's serious. But pray, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender all, Lord. And I'm telling you, there's not been a person yet. You know what you did when you got saved, by the way? I believe you probably surrendered everything you knew right then. Wasn't that a blessing? Anybody in here saved, regret getting saved? No. Do you remember the battle, perhaps, leading up to your salvation? Yeah. For many of us, for probably most of us, uh, especially maybe the older we were, but it can happen when you're younger too. Man, there's that struggle. There's that struggle. I don't know if this is the right thing. I don't know. I mean, uh, but has anybody said, man, that was a bad decision? Anybody? Nobody has said that yet, ever, in the history of people getting truly saved. Amen? Amen. Why can't Let's learn from that, why don't we? Was it, was it not a blessing us trusting Him for our salvation? I'm telling you, it will be nothing but a blessing us trusting Him you know. for, uh, for and with our lives. So put that sacrifice on the altar. Uh, surrender your life. And this is, this is to the young people. This is to the older people. It's for everybody in between. Amen. Surrender your life. Trust your Amen. life to him. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Go wherever you want me to go. My life is yours. It's all yours. And uh, I, I remember there was a, a man in the Bible whenever there was a plague coming across the land of Israel and, and David, uh, David went and prayed and, and asked the Lord to, uh, to stay his, his hand from the judgment he was bringing on the land of Israel, King David. And there was a man that came out, and, and he said, uh, David said, I need to build an altar here. I need to make a sacrifice in this place. And this man said, Take my cattle, take, take my instruments, take everything. And he says, I give it all. I give it all. Hey, give it all to the Lord. You will never regret it. Amen? Uh, you will never regret it. Don't, don't deceive yourself into thinking the people that surrender all are different from you, they're not. There are people just like you that surrendered it all and are enjoying every minute of it. Amen? I love living in South Dakota. Amen. Amen. I love being here. I really do. Uh, now, I don't love it because of the weather. I'll be honest with you. That's right. I'm not going to be trying to trick anybody here, all right? And I guess I should be honest with you. I don't know how people say that. You know, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. I used to say that a lot. I don't know what other kind of truth there is, but... Uh, <laughs> But I tell you, man, there's there there was the other evening I was going into a basketball game and you know and it was only like 10 below. It wasn't one of the coldest days, but 10, 20 below with the wind chill, you know. And and I'm just like, a lot of people live here. What is it's ridiculous? What is this? But then I know there's warmer places, you know. And um, I mean, know, so I have those periods of frustration, right? Uh, but I'm telling you, I do not, I do not, and 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 and. and don't matter how many calls I've ever got or anything else. I'm telling you, if people are calling me from down south saying, brother, would you pray about coming here and doing this or doing that? Or the other thing, I, I, I kind of respond like Nehemiah. Brother, I'm up here on the wall. Amen. I'm doing a great work. Not me, but I'm working in a great work that God is doing. Amen. And uh, man, I'm not coming off the wall. Sorry. Uh, this is where God wants Amen. me. This is where I'm going to stay until God says otherwise. And so replace the sacrifice. Give it all. And that's one of the reasons. I want to tell you that too, by the way. Somebody says, well, I don't like when you say until God says otherwise. Well, guess what? I'm not the one in charge of my life. That's good. That's right. Amen. And you aren't either. Amen. <laughs> so I'm, it, it would be the hardest thing ever if God was to come and say to me, I've got to leave here. I'm just telling you it would be. Uh, probably the one of the hardest things i guess i'd ever have to go through but you know what if that's what god says that's what i'm going to do but i'll tell you this right now my vision goes far beyond that amen i mean i'm here this is where god has me and i'm so thankful for it but replace the sacrifice um uh so surrender all to the lord um verses 36 and 38 i'll give it to you here quickly uh, the Bible says, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known to thee, known this day, that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, and hear this people, hear, uh, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Thou hast turned their heart back again. And you know, that's really what it's all about, man, is just keeping our hearts right before the Lord. And by the way, that's one reason that we are so uh, insistent and so, I guess, maybe encouraging, and we admonish people to be open and to be honest about who we are. Uh, In other words, because if you feel like you've got to play some part here, that you've got to play church and you've got to play the Christian, you know what happens? Your heart can get away from God and you can't go to a brother or sister and say, pray for me, I'm really struggling right now. Pray for me, I'm having some serious problems right now. Because you're scared to death, well man, they're probably going to judge me. You know, because at that church everybody's perfect and everybody's got all their uh I's dotted and their T's crossed. We usually have our I's crossed and our T's dotted sometimes around here, right? Uh, but but the point is, and listen, that, that does that does not that does not justify us going around acting like a bunch of heathen, all right? Because we're to live holy and we're to let God work in our lives. But the point is, is that we can be honest, turn your hearts. And that's what the Bible says. They turn their hearts back again. And that's exactly what uh, God wants to do. He wants, to, he wants our hearts to be turned to him. And then I like this as well. And I've just given you this to you quickly. Verse 40, they reviled that which stood in the way. They reviled that which stood in the way. Uh, verse number 40, the Bible says, and Elijah said unto them, This is the people who turn back to God. Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook uh, Kishon and slew them there. So they reviled what stood in the way. And so I'll just say something about that. Listen, we, I think we understand this. But when we get our little pet sins, we need to understand that sin is not our friend. Amen? Amen. And so... The grace of God doesn't mean that all of a sudden God loves the sin that's destroying our lives and breaking up our homes and, and bringing uh, anxiety and sickness and fear and all these things in our lives. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, folks, we ought not to uh, uh, cradle and cover and protect our sin. Man, we need to revile what stood in the way. They said this is what was keeping us from God. This is what was keeping us from the blessings of God. You know what? I don't want that in my life anymore. I do not want that in my life anymore. And then, after all these steps, I'll give this last part to you quickly, and this is what I was trying to get to with the message, and I'll give it to you quickly, and that's this, ready for rain. Verse 41, the Bible just simply says, And Elijah came to Ahab, said, Get thee up, eat, drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, verse 41 I don't believe that there was the sound of showers upon the Mediterranean Sea. In other words, you couldn't hear the rain like you heard it today. Uh, this may read as if it were thunder. I'm not so sure that it was thunder. I don't know how many other people heard something. The Bible says in Amos 3 verse 7, The Lord God will, not do, will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret unto His servants, the prophets. But He heard something the rain was coming now how did elijah know the rain was coming number 1 he knew because of the report chapter 18 verse 1 we read it already god said go tell him the rain's coming that's right so he knew it was going to rain Amen. as we're going to see in a moment the skies did not look like rain yeah he knew that that, that god was going to send the rain because of the repentance of his people um But I can imagine this, because as we're going to see in just a moment, when you looked at the skies, the skies were very clear. And Elijah says, get ready, it's going to rain. You better get ready, you better get your waiters. Remember this, it has not rained in three and a half years. I mean, get ready, it's going to rain. Uh, Get thee up, eat and drink for the sound of abundance of rain. There's torrents of rain that are coming. And I'm telling you, they'd already seen God work, but I want you to understand something. Whenever Elijah said, folks, get ready. It's about to rain. They look up at the skies and the skies are clear. I don't know that because we see this in just a moment. But look at verse 42 and we'll see it. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Michael preached a great <clears throat> message about that. But you know, Elijah's public prayer gets the most attention that uh, that he prayed earlier in this chapter, but it's his private prayer that really makes him who he was. See, he prayed silently. And how, you say, how do you know? Because the, the Bible just says he cast himself uh, on the earth and put his face between his knees. But in James chapter 5, verses 16 and 18, the Bible says he prayed again and God sent rain. So we know that he's praying right now, but he's not praying out loud. Amen. That's good. You know that the prayer, the, it's it's not our public lives that really are going to make the difference if we don't have private lives with God. It's not our public prayers that are going to make much difference if we don't have some silent prayers. Amen? In other words, what God is doing in our lives in quiet when nobody else sees. Amen. It's kind of interesting contrast. Uh, the, 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 at, here's, after, after not eating all day, neither one of these men, Ahab went to eat and to drink, but, but Elijah was too busy hungering for God. And instead of being concerned with his flesh, folks, he was concerned with God doing something in his life. That's good. Then he had a steadfast hope. Look at this in verse 43. The Bible says, And he said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. <laughs> Go up there. What do you see? Elijah, you said that God said that God was about to do something. God was about to let something loose in our lives. God was about to pour out some blessings that we couldn't even contain. Alright, go see. What do you see? Nothing. Go look again. What do you see? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. And finally, the seventh time. I mean, he was steadfast. But I want to say something about this. That time after time, nothing. You know, whether we realize it or not, we can have some experiences like this. We're waiting to see God do something in our lives. We even have the promises of God in the Word of God that He's going to do these things in our life. And we run up and we look out and we see, okay, Lord, I'm ready to receive it. <laughs> but we look out there and it's like, where's God? Where's God? Nothing. What do you see? Nothing. What do you see? Nothing. Time after time. But see, we must, and, and the way to make sure that we are doing right is knowing that our petition and what we're waiting on is, is truly based on the divine promise of God. And then we wait for God to fulfill it. Now, I don't see in this text where Elijah was flustered or anxious. He just stood still. He was persistent. He was perseverant. Uh, he, was pers- he persevered. Uh, I like what the Bible says about Jacob Uh, in Genesis 32, verse 26. He was with the Lord and he had a hold of the Lord and he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. He was persistent. Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. We don't like being patient and we don't like waiting. But sometimes we need to wait. After six times, the prophet did not relax his supplication. And listen, it was a test of Elijah's faith and endurance, but he stayed and he kept on praying. I want to give you a pretty amazing verse right here. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. The Bible says, Therefore will the Lord wait, that He may be gracious unto you. (laughs) Therefore will the Lord wait. Mary and Martha didn't feel like God was being gracious when he waited. Maybe Elijah wasn't feeling like God was being gracious when he had to wait. But I'm telling you, our God knows. And sometimes we're waiting, and we're waiting because God wants to be gracious to us. Amen? Amen. I mean, listen, we are not heard for the fervency or the urgency of our prayers. We are not heard because of the justness of our cause. We can claim nothing from God because it's all of grace. And we can just trust Him that He loves us and He knows what's best. We must wait His time. The Lord never waits to be greedy or to be a tyrant, or to be cruel in any way. The Bible says, I'm going to wait, because I'm being gracious to you. I'm being gracious to you. Well, after the seventh time, the man comes back, and look at verse 44. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand, And he said, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. Now you could read this a few different ways here, but I do not imagine myself personally. Remember, Elijah said, God's sending the rain, boys. I mean, it's coming, and it's coming big time. Six times he goes, nothing, nothing, nothing. I don't think he comes running down the mountain, Elijah! Elijah! There's a little cloud like a man's hand out there, and uh, man, it's looking great. I imagine he'd come back and said, Well, there's something. There's something out there, but it's just a little cloud. It's just a small cloud like a man's hand. And so what we see is a sign on the horizon. Now, with anyone else, this could have been frustrating but not with Elijah. You know why? Because Elijah had been a man that had seen the power of some little things. <laughs> See, Elijah was a man that was fed by a little brook with little birds at Cherith when the drought first started. He was sustained by a little woman with a little mill and a little barrel with a little cruise of oil for an entire year. <laughs> Amen? Amen. I mean, listen, small beginnings often produce wonderful effects. Like John 6, the little lad with the little lunch. Amen. He fed a multitude when he put that little bit into God's hands. See, Elijah did not disdain this cloud, though little it was. And I love this. He pro he just took encouragement from it. Amen. I mean, he comes and, and maybe he says, and maybe I can almost imagine him wringing his hat and says, Well, Elijah he said, um, there's, there's a little cloud out there. Elijah gets up. Hey Amen. All right. Here's what we're doing. He said, uh, go. Say it to Ahab. Man, you better get those, char- those chariot wheels moving, man, because you're going to get bogged down in the mud if you don't. You better get while the getting's good because the rain's coming. I mean, he was encouraged. He was excited. He knew that the showers were on the way. And sure enough, look what the Bible says in verse number 45 and it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black. So just like that, it changed. Yeah. Folks, God can show up in a hurry. That's right. That's good. So do you, do you ever get in a situation that feels like it's pretty hopeless? Yeah. It's pretty desperate? And you're thinking, this is bad. This is really bad. And I don't see how this can be fixed. Understand something. The one that stepped out onto nothing, spoke a few words and everything come into existence, that God can just with a word, just like that, make it change. Amen? That's the God you serve. Amen? We're not relying on our logic. and We're not relying on ourselves. We're relying on a great, big, powerful, miracle-working God. The heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and, and you find out that Elijah outran him. It's a pretty awesome deal. But the rain came. Do not despise little things. Take encouragement in little things. I mean, listen, I, I can remember back uh, in uh, when the, the church that we started in Peer was just such an awesome thing. I can remember uh, I, I preached this message up, up there and there was, a, there was an older man in our church. He was a, a retired preacher. He'd gotten cancer and dealt with some health issues. Uh, but he was there helping us and working with us in the church. And I can see him just like it was yesterday. We would just have a few people coming from time to time. We wouldn't have anybody, but uh, on in the evenings when we'd have services, but we'd have these two bratty kids that were just nightmares. Uh, like literally, I think one, I think when one was like six years old, he like stole his mom's car or something. I mean, they were seriously uh, out of control. Uh, yeah, they were nuts, amen. Uh, but the, but here's the thing: that's what we'd have in the evenings. But I remember as things started to grow and 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 we would start getting some visitors coming in, and it'd be so exciting. But I can just see Brother Stokes, and he would be standing there at the back door. And he would just do like this he'd hold up his hand and what he was saying was it don't look like much preacher but it's a cloud like a man's hand amen Amen. just a little cloud but stay with it Amen. amen i mean i can remember i can remember the frustration when we first moved here to start a church i was actually we were actually trying to do a bible study in vermilion that was just uh got nowhere literally the most perhaps the most frustrating time in my entire ministry And man, it just felt like we were banging our head against the wall. And and I can remember I was coming home one morning, and as I was driving past what used to be Gracie's Consignment Shop, Gracie's Consignments, uh, well, all of a sudden they had a for lease sign out there. And so I thought, huh. It's a little thing, but I'll call that number. So I called the 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 little number on the little sign, Amen. And I, I called the little plumber. No, he's not a little plumber. I'm going to get over, overboard now. But I but it's makes for good preaching, you know. But I but I called I called Tim and 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 just right away, you know. I was like, Well, what's the lease? Well, this is the lease. Oh, well, that's that's reasonable. Okay. Um. Well, how soon can I get in? When can I come by? And I'm telling you, it was just a little thing, but all of a sudden God blessed, Amen. amen. And look what God's been doing. This has just been a little hand, amen? This little storefront, amen? Uh, this thing that not a lot of people just say, "Woohoo! hoo oh, look at that storefront. <laughs> What an amazing thing! But what they don't realize is that it's not about the storefront. It's not about the little storefront. It's about the big God that's working in the little storefront. Amen? It's about the big God that's working in our lives. Amen? That's the God that we serve. It's little things. But I'm telling you, all these little things are the signs of a big old God that's working and performing something great. And I'm telling you, uh, He wants to... One of the, the biggest things I really get from this message is this. God really, really wants to bless us. He really does. And He really wants us to get into the place of blessing. But sometimes we deceive ourselves in our flesh and we allow ourselves to be discouraged and defeated and overcome by sin and, and different things. And all of a sudden we're being robbed of our blessings. And then we think that we're no longer any good. And we forget that we're, that we're God's chosen people and that He's got a purpose for our lives and that we just need to get back living like the position that, that, that's ours in Christ. I'm telling you, God wants to bless us, amen? And He is blessing, isn't He? Right. But I'm telling you, He wants us to do it so much more. And I tell you, I've got a desire, and I know you do too. Man, I'm, I'm so thankful. You know, one of the, the, one of the, the big errors, I think, of this, this modern church, and I'm trying to close with this. Let's all stand as I try to close out here. But one of the errors, I think, of the, 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 the church that the Bible talks about, the great falling away, is it sure is a whole lot about you. And it's a lot about me. And it's a lot about what I can get out of things. We need to watch for that sometimes. Because we do get a lot out of it. And and we can rejoice and hallelujah how great it is to be saved. But you know what we need to be doing? That rain needs to be satisfying and helping somebody else. And that's why the rain comes. It wasn't just for Elijah. It was for everybody. And I'm telling you, man, may God help us to reach out to some hurting and broken people. May God help us to reach out to some hurting and broken people make a difference in somebody else's life. But first, we really do have to see who we are in Christ. And we have to realize that we are more than conquerors in Him and through Him so that we can do that. I said the prerequisites of rain. I could just say it this way. If we're not able to get a hold of who we are in Christ and by faith claim and live who we are in Christ, it's really going to hinder us in reaching to make a difference in somebody else's life. But I'm telling you, you are a child of God if you're saved. He wants to do a miracle, He wants to use you to do a miracle in somebody else's life or to work through you. And I want to say this tonight if you are not saved, you know you need to be saved. Would you come tonight? Would you humble yourself? Would you call on the Lord? It's so simple. So simple. See, it's unfortunate that a lot of people say, well, I'm going to work on some things first. I've got to fix some things first. You've got it all wrong. Not the way it works whatsoever. He wants to fix you. Amen. He wants to fix you. All you've got to do is be willing. Will you surrender to Him if you're here tonight and you're not saved? Will you trust Him? The Bible says with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He loves you. He died for you on the cross, and He'll save your soul. Come to Him today. If you're not saved, He will save you.